Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 479. And today, we are going to be talking all about shipping and freight forwarding and a way to make it easy or at least easier. And we're gonna talk about everything that you need to know, everything from knowing your product to selecting the shipping type to creating a shipment plan, packaging your shipment, labeling your shipment, getting through customs, all of that stuff that sometimes seems a little bit overwhelming. So I invited on one of my friends, also someone who works at Flexport, who's kind of an expert in this field, and his name is Michael Gallardo. And I met him in uh, in Florida, actually, at Seller Summit, but I met him before that online. Him and I were uh, were uh, talking um, about this, about you know freight forwarding and shipping and all that stuff. And uh, we became friends, and and then uh, we met up in uh, in Florida, and then from there, uh, you know, I decided to invite him on to uh, really kind of go through this and do a deep dive. And from him working with a whole bunch of different sellers, he's kind of seen where people get stuck along the way. So what he's also done for me, which I wasn't even expecting this, is he had his team create a free guide that will actually go through all six of those steps in detail. It'll also give you ways to see what your product falls under. So this way here, you know the code. And again, we'll get into all that stuff because there's certain codes that will either throw up red flags and getting through customs and all of that stuff. So that free guide can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash flexport. All right. And that will give you that guide with those six uh, those six topics, those six steps, really walking you through what exactly you'll need to get this stuff going and, and really how to make it easier than thinking you have to do all this stuff yourself. All right. So that's there for you as a resource. Now I'm going to stop talking because, well, Michael and I talked for almost an hour on this topic, digging into all six of those. And then a few other things. I even asked him what he felt were some products that he probably wouldn't start with because there is a few more challenges there. Not that you can't, but it'll just make it a little bit harder when getting started. We talk about those and a bunch of other stuff too. I mean, including some workout stuff. I don't even know how we got into that conversation. But anyway, I'm going to stop talking so you can listen to this interview or this conversation that I did with my good friend, Michael Gallardo. Enjoy. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What's going on, man? Hey, Scott, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to talk about freight and shipping. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, you and I had a chance to meet each other. I think it was, was it last year at Seller Summit? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was in Florida, I think. Yes, it was. Yes. And that was the first time you and I got to meet each other. We had a lot of conversations before that. And uh, uh, we actually got to, to hang out and talk a little bit and uh, not even just about uh, business, but about life and stuff. And and I think at the time, weren't you talking about like Sean T and Insanity? Were you doing Insanity then? Yeah, I was. And now uh, I'm doing uh, a new program. And actually, my wife is a Beachbody coach. So, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I swear by it. I mean, a lot of my success is her just uh, forcing me out of bed and uh, forcing <laughs> me to do it. But it is working and getting results. So super, super happy with it. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan of Beachbody. I've been I've been a, a part of their program for a long time. And uh, right now, though, I'm into this Peloton thing, uh, the bike riding. So that's oh, kind of what nice. I yeah, yeah. I'm riding the bike in the morning and it's busting my butt and I'm sweating, <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool. It's working. Uh, all right. Enough on that. But yeah. And the other, <laughs> the other thing is, Michael, you, you're a lot taller than I thought you were going to be. You're a tall guy. We should we should get you into basketball. 
I know. That's what I'm saying. We're <laughs> we're trying to get a basketball team together. I'm I'm about six four. Yeah. My um my mom is Swedish, and that's where that comes from. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Everyone's always surprised. They see me like, oh wow, you're you're like a skyscraper. Yeah, you are, man. You're up there. My my son's about six three, and you seemed like you were you know taller than him. I'm like, yeah, he's got to be six four, six five. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So let's get on to some some business here. So I, I yep. wanted to get you on and really kind of demystify. Uh, some of the things that people think about when they hear freight forwarding and really like when should someone be thinking about it, but also when they do decide, like what are the steps that you need to consider or that you need to uh, kind of go through to complete this process? Because I think like once you're for- first starting, you're kind of thinking to yourself like, man, it, that sounds like a lot to do to get, you know, to get uh, my my shipment from, you know, China or wherever um, over here in the States and into Amazon. And it seems like it's a huge mountain to climb. Um, and, you know, you've done a pretty good job of explaining to me, especially, but also uh, you guys created a nice little report that we'll give out as well that kind of goes through all the different steps. But I really just wanted you to come on and talk a little bit about that. And we can kind of dig into some of those questions that a lot of people have. And I know that you work with a lot of different sellers and I'm sure you, you hear a lot of different questions. So I wanted to get your take on it and also give people kind of that roadmap that we can, uh, that we can uh, kind of go through before we do though, a little bit about you. How'd you even get into this freight forwarding thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I came to Flexport uh, trying to get into the sales team for some of the the bigger companies that we have, but I only had about six months of sales experience. So very long story short, uh, they opened a position lower than the lowest sales position so I could start. And they said, hey, like there's a lot of small businesses out there that we'd really like to have. Oh, that's, you know, the mission of the company. Uh, so if you want to, you know, kind of take that on, lead the charge, uh, then we'll give you that position. And I was all for it. I love a challenge. Uh, I love building things. Uh, and a lot of my experience was with helping small businesses in the past with other technology companies. Mm. So I just felt like it was a really good fit. Um, at the time, I didn't know, you know, a ton about freight forwarding. Uh, so I started really started talking with clients. Uh, and then, you know, I got to give you big props, Scott, because I was like, I really got to learn like, you know, these people and learn what's important and how we can be helpful. So I started listening to your podcast, learned about, you know, what you said, like all these myths and kind of things out there about freight forwarding. And so kind of instantly, you know, I was like, the way that we can help is to really empower our clients to really give them the education. We need to get people that are really smart and then also really helpful, patient, mm. uh, humble to really, you know, help build these businesses. And that's kind of been our vision and premise the whole way through, you know, long story short, we started with three people. We had, we had two operations people and myself, uh, one of the people, a lot of people on your podcast probably know is, is Travis. We call him the Kanye of Amazon because he knows so much, <laughs> but he was like, uh, the backbone of, you know, all the logistics and knowing how it works. And I just, I, I went all in, you know, seven days a week was learning with him, really building this out. And just recently we got the investment to open an office in Atlanta, Georgia last June. And we've grown our team to about 40 people and it's looking really good. Uh, we're helping a ton of people and that's, and that's basically how I got started. Just jumping in, learning like everyone else. I, I was basically like, you know, all your podcast listeners out there learning how this works and things like that like that and just jumping in the deep end. No, I, I love it. And you know, you got my attention. You sent over a, a video actually. And you know, you said, Hey, Hey Scott, I just want to let you know, I'm a, a fan of the, of the pie. I love what you're doing. And you know, uh, 
just wanted to just kind of say, Hey, and, and that was it. And, uh, it was pretty cool that you did that. And I talked about how I have done that before too, to, to, to reach people, but I thought it was cool because I could see right there that you were genuine and that you really yep. did want to help people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. I'm, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. I grew up in like a small farm town in Northern California. So it's always been about like, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel passionate unless I feel like I'm truly making a difference. And as far as like the videos go, I mean, it kind of speaks to as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, selling stuff on Amazon, but I am building a business and you have to have that entrepreneur mindset. Uh, so things can, there can always be challenges. I'm like, how do I reach you know, Scott Volker, you know, the amazing seller, you know, yeah, I was, yeah. we had a team, we had a team of three and I just got creative, thought of some ways to personally connect. And that's what people can do with their Amazon businesses as well, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love it. So, all right. So, so we got people caught up now. You're a, you're a cool guy. You got some, uh, some cool things working there. You started with, with a three person team and now you're up over 40 and you know, you're telling me before we got on here, it's going to, it's going to get even larger. And that's just because, you know, you guys are doing a great job servicing, you know, us sellers. Um, so what I want to do here today, though, is I want to give people that roadmap. I want to give people, you know, the how to, if they choose yep. to do it themselves. And then we also will talk about Flexport and how they've made it really a lot easier for people to, uh, to, to kind of go through that process without having to do it themselves. But if people want to do it themselves, where do we start? Let's start there. Yeah, exactly. So I would say, you know, moving your shipments around the world is is obviously a very can be like a complicated process. And the first kind of place I'd like to start is, you know, like when like when should I even consider using a freight forwarder? When should I, you know, just stick with my supplier? Like right. uh, at what point does that make sense? I have some basic rules. You know, this is just my experience. Sure. Um, and the way that I kind of break it down is just between ocean and air first. So the real easy one to remember is if you're shipping ocean, uh, you want to use a freight forwarder. It doesn't have to be Flexport. It can be someone that you trust, someone that you've met or through your searches has a good reputation. But if you're going ocean, I highly, highly recommend using a freight forwarder just because there are more steps um, you, you know, if you're going and working on your own, you kind of have to find your own kind of like customs broker and things like that to make sure things get cleared. And a lot of times what I have found personally, uh, with the thousands of clients that, that we've helped is that, uh, when you're shipping ocean and things like that, your manufacturer, uh, could be working with a local freight forwarder and things like that. They're not really focused, you know, on your shipment. They're more focused on producing goods and just getting things moving. And when it, when there's questions, when there's, you know, like a port delay or something like that, you don't really have that point of contact that's really looking out for your business and Mm -hmm. really making sure you have the transparency. And that's what I'm all about, uh, you know, at Flexport is like making sure that like you have that. Uh, And the reason why it's important too, uh, is I want to get, you know, uh, people that are selling on Amazon and e-commerce to really start thinking a little bit down the road, just because, Uh, When you're first investing all that time into making your product, learning how Amazon works and things like that, a lot of people uh, don't consider uh, what happens when your product's like actually successful. So when your product is successful, uh, if you put in the time and I can walk you through some of the things that the top sellers do, your product can take off and shipping becomes more and more important. Mm. And so... If you're going by ocean and it's a more complicated process, you want to have those systems in place ahead of time so you can scale. So 
that is really, really important on the, on the ocean side. Like I know the thing that I always think about is, you know, uh, Sam Walton with Walmart, uh, before he even launched that company, he had, uh, all of his estate taxes planned and things like that because he had that vision that his business was going to be big. So mm. on the ocean side, uh, definitely use a freight forwarder when it comes to air, I would say, uh, stick with your supplier. Who's, you know, going to use air express, uh, DHL, uh, UPS, things like that. If your air shipment is 250 kilograms or less. Now, the reason I say that, and that's 250 kilograms or less is that your supplier is going to use, you know, DHL, UPS. It's the same thing. Basically, uh, if you're using that state side, like in the United States, that service, mm -hmm. and basically, you know, it's going to be, you know, door to door. Uh, there's, uh, I have like trust that that system works. The only difference is just that's international and things like that. But, uh, using that service on those smaller air shipments is totally fine. Uh, when you get to that 250, uh, KG mark, uh, that's when the prices, uh, between your supplier, um, courier service and a freight forwarder is going to kind of converge. And that's like those shipments are more important. And that's when you want to start having the conversation uh, with a freight forwarder to maybe see if the prices are in line, makes sense for your business and things like that. So big takeaway, if it's ocean, in my opinion, always use a freight forwarder. If it's air, uh, you know, feel comfortable up until 250 kilograms for air. Anything above that, I would definitely uh, start trying to build those systems and uh, have those conversations. Okay. And so like if you're at that point, and for anyone that's doing math, uh, kilograms, I kind of did the conversion here while you were talking about 550 50 pounds is about what we're talking. It's 551 to be exact if we were to convert that. So, you know, you, you have to uh, look and see what that is going to be. Um, and it may be even at this point where you might even want to just break that order up if you were going to do you know, multiple orders. Um, so this way here, it fell in there. Um, one quick question on that. I know we'll be talking a little bit more on that. Um, because I've, we've dealt with this ourselves actually in the early stages that we didn't know about, but it kind of threw a red flag when we had an order that was going by air and it was over a certain amount of money going through customs. And I know this is for like our customs. We'll talk more about that. But yep. what, what's the deal on that? Do you know anything on that that you could shed some light on? Or is that just a random thing? Yeah, I mean, without more details, I'm going to say that that's probably more on the random side. But, okay. what I can, but what I can tell you is that customs highly depends on having all the information that they need filed ahead of time. Gotcha. So a lot of that, you know, if, if I had to break it down into the most important things is, you know, you really want to know uh, your product and its HTS code classification um, as early as possible. And basically, you know, there are some sites uh, that you can use to, to kind of look it up yourself, but I do highly recommend uh, having a customs broker, like a licensed customs broker, have a look at it uh, just to make sure. But basically, you just need to know like your product, uh, you know, what the material is that it's made out of and the intended use. So if you get that information, you can give that to customs, they can classify or your broker, they can classify the product for you. Um, and you also want to have things like your business information, uh, you know, your IRS notice and things like that, all your kind of business paperwork in line as well. And I know that can kind of, 
sound like a lot in the beginning, but this is kind of like a one-time kind of setup right. thing. If if like you work with a freight forwarder, right, they're going to ask you for this, they're going to store it, have it in their system so that they can just use it going forward. Um, it kind of depends. Customs is, uh, you know, a separate government entity. They have, they don't, you know, fully show all the things that factor into when something gets inspected or not. Mm. Sometimes if you, you know, import a new product or things like that, uh, it can, it can, you know, put up a red flag where, where they can hold it. Sometimes it, it's just truly random, uh, things like that. So, uh, I can't say specifically for your case sure, and, sure. and like the price, but it, the price changes can trigger it for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. So it's something just to be like ready for and mm-hmm. cognizant of as, uh, you start, uh, building your supply chain for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think you bring up a good point there too. And, and that's that, you know, your special code, uh, you know, you you definitely want to know what that is because that will shed some light on as far as like what that will potentially be. They'll never tell you exactly what it's going to be, at least in my experience. But it'll at least give you like like you said, it'll give you give you an idea. But um, now, so a custom broker for someone that's listening, would that just be someone that they would find through their supplier, or would they find that person just by doing a Google search or something like that? If they're not going through like a company that's doing everything for you like Flexport, but if they were to get that on their own, would they just go and look for a customs broker? Yeah, you could just search online for a customs broker. I would try and get one in like in my area uh, just so I could like potentially meet them and things like that. But I, I'm a former accountant, so I'm a little bit on the conservative side. So right. it doesn't, that's not like you have to follow that. But yeah, you could search online, try and find one. Uh, there's people online that can help classify and, and stuff like that um, if you're deciding to go um, on your own. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So what's next? Okay. So we, we kind of figured out like air versus by sea. And I think also, like you said, you know, you're giving like the idea of like 250 kilograms is probably okay up to that point. After that, um, you might want to go think about going C. Um, my only thing is on that, we just recently did this where we broke up an order because we were out of inventory. We wanted to get it in a hurry. So we broke it up. Yeah. We sent like 750 units and we've got another 3000 that are going to be coming by C, you know? So you know, that can happen. Um, but when other than that is the time to go, or is that the time that you say you should start thinking about C because there is quite a bit of difference in, in cost as well for us, you know, going by C. I mean, it's crazy actually. Uh, air has been just going nuts recently. And I think after the fourth quarter, it's kind of settling down, but it was pretty nuts actually. Yeah. So like that's something to really keep in mind uh, as well, too, is that, you know, the air market right now in general is highly volatile. It's it's one of the most volatile seasons uh, that that we've seen in the shipping industry and basically like the complete history of it. And the reason being, you know, long story short is uh, there's that Hanjin collapse, you know, last year and and a lot of, uh, you know, like air shipments and, and things or sea shipments getting pushed to the air side and just the general growth of e-commerce is creating, it's like anything else. It's like oh, supply yeah. and demand. The demand is really, really high. And there's a lot of you know really big shippers um, out there that are kind of taking all the demand or taking all the supply. And so the prices are going up. So if you're just starting um, and you're doing it on the small side and it's, uh, those small amounts, like you can go uh, by air, but I would also, once you get to that threshold, like really be looking at um, ocean too, because the price can be like at a minimum four times less expensive, mm. sometimes like eight, like eight times, depending on, of course, the weight and volume of your product and things like that. 
Okay. So, all right. So at this point, again, we're, we're still trying to decide if, if the time is right. Let, let's say that it is the, the time is right and we're ready and we've got, you know, a couple thousand units that we're going to be uh, shipping by sea. Um, what's the, what's the, what's the first thing that we need to do? Do we tell our supplier that we are going to be handling that or do we ask them, um, I think you already said you, we kind of want to have our own freight forwarder. So would that be it? We want to find our, our own freight forwarder that can handle some of these steps for us. Yeah, exactly. So if you're really at that point where you're considering a freight forwarder, you definitely want to reach out. There's uh, going to be information that they need ahead of time, like your business information, the type of product that you're importing before you can even get that process going just so they have it all ready. And you want to get that done as early as possible. Uh, and the way that it works kind of very big picture uh, is that when your product is ready, uh, your freight forwarder will have a team, you know, in China or India or, or wherever the supplier is based, uh, where they can do all the coordination with your supplier. So they're going to help that shipment and coordinate everything from your supplier to the seaport or the airport. And then from there, you know, to the seaport or airport in the United States, getting it to a warehouse if needed in the United States before having uh, one of Amazon's partnered carriers like UPS or an LTL truck come pick your shipment up. So they're really going to handle the entire coordination uh, of your shipment. Uh, and that's like very high level uh, how it works um, when you're working with a freight forwarder. Okay. So, and I guess the other question that I'm sure a lot of people are asking is, is okay, you get a freight forwarder and stuff. Uh, you know, what do we generally expect to pay on top of our of our regular cost of the, the item, because, you know, I'm, we're, our supplier is going to say, okay, it's going to be, you know, four bucks for your unit, uh, for us to, to create it and basically have it ready to be picked up for, you know, your, your shipper or your freight forwarder. Um, what, right. what would be a good rule of thumb to say that not the shipping cost, but the fee that we are potentially going to be paying, um, you know, to have a service, take it from end to end. Yeah. So I would say like that depends too on, you know, the types of goods that like you're moving, okay. uh, how quickly you want them moved. Like a fast air shipment is going to cost more than, you know, a deferred air shipment. Sure. Ocean's going to be less than all that. What, what a lot of freight forwarders, uh, can do is provide you the quote and the breakdown of how much that, that shipment is going to cost. Mm. So, uh, you can, like before you even have the freight forwarder move it, like you can engage with a freight forwarder, speak with them, make sure it's someone that you trust and then see what the price is to move it. And uh, your freight forwarder should be very transparent about, you know, the different line items and things like that to expect um, when it's going through. So when you have your, you know, kind of taking it a big step back, the reason why it's good to have your, you know, HTS code classification in the beginning is you can know what, you know, the customs duties uh, are going to be. And then when you get your quote, you can kind of look at, okay, what are like, they're going to show me the price to get it, you know, to the port and then like the transit and then the coordination in the United States as well. It's hard to give. Mm, I get uh, it. I get it. Yeah. But yeah. It, You'll know it before you actually move it. Okay, is, is, is the is the point? I guess that was my question because a lot of times it's hard when you're, especially when you're first launching your products or even a new product for that matter, because your supplier will give you the cost to produce the goods, 
But then right. it's always, okay, now I got to figure my shipping. Is that going to be a dollar a unit more? Is it going to be $4 a unit more? So we always kind of want to have that. And I've just found that gotcha. de- depending on the, on the size and, and the weight, generally our products are falling within under the two, two pounds. You know, they're not oversized. So for us, we kind of know that if they quoted us, and we always get a quote from our supplier for air just because, right? And now what we can do is we can say, well, if it's going to be that for air, we can probably, like you said, probably step that down three to four times because we know by C it's going to be less. So this way here, we kind of reverse it and say, this is what it would be for air. Okay. It's going to be four bucks. We know if we do it by C, it's going to be a buck close. You know what I mean? We can kind of guesstimate. Um, cause I think that's always the deciding factor. And, you know, you know, in order to give someone all of the information to get that, we kind of want to know that. So what you're saying though, is, is what we would need to do is we would have to know, the the size, the weight, you know, and the weight really on how much, how many come in a package and how much the weight is for that, that box, uh, you know, 150 or in a box or whatever. And it weighs, you know, whatever, 20 or 25, 50 kilograms, whatever it is. Um, and then, yeah. from, and then from there, we would give that information over to our freight forwarder and say, this is everything. This is the HTS code. Um, this is all of our information. This is where it's going. Um, and this is our shipment that we want. What's the price going to be? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And there's and you unpacked a lot of great things there. So one one thing I do want to point out is a really good place to start with the HTS code is just asking your supplier. Yeah. So if you if you ask your supplier, they'll give you the code that uh, they think is correct. The thing to know there is that the first six digits uh, work uh, globally, but it's really the last like few digits that are specific to the country. So if you give that code to your you know, freight forwarder, they'll be able to look at and be like, okay, these are the first six. It'll help them quickly or more quickly identify uh, the product. But the one point I think you really uh, touched on that, that I want to spend a little bit of time on is the fact that, you know, you said that you ask your supplier for the air, you kind of divide it by four to get like a, like a really rough estimate. Yeah. And the important thing to know with these estimates, you know, obviously they can change, but more importantly is what I do like a mistake I do see some people make is that their margins are too small. Mm. So freight forwarding and in general, you can do the work, find a great partner or things like that. But there are some things that, you know, just market wise, like say Hanjin collapses or something random like that, or it's a volatile air market prices can go up and things like that. You want to be padded and protected. So you really want to feel like when you're moving forward with a product that you have healthy margins Mm. to really like cover some of those things that can change. Um, And there's a lot of reasons for that. Because if you if you ship by ocean and you're like, wow, my product's a home run and and now I want to consider air. But now the shipping, you know, is uh, four times, five times more expensive and you have to take a huge loss. You can mitigate a lot of that by having healthy margins. You don't have it, you don't have to look for a unicorn product and ask that, you know, have, you know, really huge, huge margins, but it needs to be healthy. And you got to assume there's going to be costs and expenses and kind of unforeseen things. Even if your product is a success that comes up that you can set up yourself for success by making sure your margins are really healthy. Because I do see some um, clients that kind of had that first learning um, point. Uh, where some little change happens and it's kind of, you know, quote unquote, making or breaking the product. If you're in that 
position, then it wasn't really set up, you know, well in the beginning and something that you really should be thinking about when, when you're doing your product selection. Yeah. And I, I want to definitely highlight that because it's a great point. And what we always do, and this is kind of what I even talk about here on the podcast and, and I teach is really, you should be profitable even if you go with the air price. So if, oh, okay. the, if the air price is, you know, if like we, we just recently uh, had, you know, an order and it was like three bucks a unit to get it shipped, you know, by air, you know, and, you know, the cost of the goods were three bucks. So it's six bucks, but we're selling it for, you know, 22. Right. So we're like, OK, we're close. Right. It's pretty good. But we know when we go by C, it's going to be less. So our margins right. will even get better, but we could still make it work with air. Right. So that's kind of what we do is we try to look at that is like that's the worst case scenario. And that could still could fluctuate. That could even go up a little bit more. We get it. But we want to keep ourselves in in that in that area. So this way here, we've got that room. You definitely do not want to say I'm going to be losing money if I go by air. But if I go by sea, I'm going to be making a profit. You do not want to do that. So. Oh, nice. No, that's a really good rule of thumb. I, I love the kind of tactics that, that you have to kind of ensure success. And, and I guess my question there is, you know, how long did it kind of take you to kind of learn things like this, these little rules of thumb? Because I think a lot of people could get, you know, like overwhelmed with the information when it comes to shipping and things like that. But I think it goes to your testament of always taking action. I mean, did it take, you know, a year or so or how long would you say? Yeah, well, I think in the beginning, I think, you know, like everyone, you know, sea shipping kind of scares you. So you're like, can I, can I make this work by just going by air? Um, and I don't want to wait as long for C to get started. I mean, I'm impatient, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, <laughs> I want to get stuff done. So it's like, I want to order something, get it here, get it launched. And I just want to see if it's going to work. And then I can figure everything else out. But again, I have that little bit of padding that I say, if I can make it work on the front end. So I was doing, I mean, right off the bat, I would say, I mean, it didn't take me that long to figure that out because I didn't want to go see, uh, right off the bat because it scared me in a sense. And also it seemed very complicated and I didn't want to wait that long. So now we're able to obviously do that, especially in the new brand we're doing, you know, sea uh, shipping. Uh, but again, I'm, I mean, we're out of inventory right now on like four SKUs. It's killing me. I mean, we, we look at the, oh. at the, at the inventory report of the money lost that we could have had if we had inventory, it's over 40, 50 grand, you know? So it's like, it's not small change, oh. but in the same breath, you know, we thought we had ordered enough. We ran out. It's not a big deal, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that if uh, you can get it here quicker, you want to, but I would say, to be honest with you, it's just one of those things that in the beginning I, I wanted to think the worst and then I knew that it could get better. And I even tell people that even mm. when you're ordering a first quantity, right? Like you might say, all right, I'm going to order 500 units as a test and it's going to cost me five bucks a unit. Your next question needs to be, okay, Mr. Supplier or Mrs. Supplier, what is it going to be when I order a thousand? What's it going to be when I order 3000? What's it going to be when I order 5000? So you can get the break okay. breakdown. So you know that the 500 unit order is the worst case and you're still going to make good money at that. And it's just only going to get better. Makes sense. Yeah, that, yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. Uh, but my counter to the ocean shipping taking too long, and this is just my opinion, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a no, go ahead, of the go ahead, go ahead. Is is that the that extra time on the water and while it's moving is the perfect time to say build your email list, build oh, yeah. your launch list, build you know your listing, do the research to make sure you're optimized with your keywords and things like that. 
uh, I think it kind of gives you that time, especially if it's like your first or second product to kind of time things and not be too much in, in, in a rush. And mm-hmm. so that's what I will advocate for. You can do, you can do air. I'm, I'm not against it, but, uh, I'm, I'm just a big fan of, of ocean myself. And, and I, I agree with you. I think for me, it's just in the beginning, I want to get it there. I want to get it quick. I want to test. I want to validate. Mm, um, okay. and just to, just to see that I can get some momentum here. And then like you said, like right now we've been out of inventory on one of our SKUs for about three weeks, four weeks, and it's killing me, but it's coming by sea. Um, I think actually we, uh, I'm thinking what my partner, we, we agreed on. I think we're, we're actually doing a small order that should be here Wednesday at for sea. We did for, uh, I mean, uh, by boat, I'm sorry, by air, uh, that we did, I think 500 units. Cause we we're, we've been out of inventory way too long. So we're paying a little bit more We're getting it, but we are on, uh, you know, ocean shipment on the rest, but, um, yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. You, you totally have time. And I always tell that I actually did another episode the other day where I was talking about, you know, like there's things that you just can't control and that you can't be worrying about. And if you run out of inventory, you could say, well, could I have controlled it? Well, maybe, but not really because you don't want to slow the momentum. So what do you do? You don't worry about it. You keep your head down, you focus, you take action. What can I take action on? We can build their email list. You can optimize all the stuff you just mentioned you can do. So you're absolutely right. And I agree with you. It's just when you're first starting, you're like, I don't want to wait like 45 to 60 days to get my product here um, to test it. So if you could do a hybrid, I'd be all for it. Yeah, definitely. And the one thing you kind of hit there too, I, I will recommend a book uh, called The One Thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love ha- it. Have you read that one? Yeah. Yep. And that's like, yep. that's the best way if you're an Amazon seller or you're starting and you're just like, this is a lot of information. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. It's, it's totally fine that those are normal feelings. But what that book basically breaks down is that you pick the one thing that you can really focus on that's going to make the biggest difference in, you know, in this case would be your business. Mm-hmm. And you just focus on that and make sure to execute and, and take action, like Scott always says. And, uh, you know, no, there's probably going to be some chaos in this whole learning experience, which is totally fine, but really making sure to pick like, what stage am I in now? What should I be focusing on and making sure to execute on that as best you can with Mm. the information that you know at the time, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great book, by the way. Um, That goes hand in hand with my other recommendation, The Compound Effect. Love that one, too. It's all about small little, small little things you do every day that compound. Um, But yeah, I'm a a big fan of that. It's, it's funny. It's a lot of people talk about the 80-20. I heard a guy the other day say no it's more like the 98 two it's like yeah. you know what i mean like there's really two percent yeah. that you really should be and could be working on but we choose to dabble uh in all these other things because we think it's going to work like you you kind of know what you can do right now like what can you do ask yourself that question and then just do that but yeah i agree we're just impatient as entrepreneurs i mean we just yeah, i know i'm the same way <laughs> I, i'm i'm the same way i want it done uh, yesterday uh, yeah, exactly you know when uh when uh, we launched uh things really took off and uh, when we had our team of three and, you know, there was a time, um, we don't have the wait list anymore, but we had to, we had to do the right thing and, yeah, you and did. put a wait list. You did. Yeah. And I remember that's that. hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, but you, uh, you know, things change all the time. It's, it's hard to plan for everything. So you kind of just got to, you know, jump in the deep end, get going and learn and really plan it out for the, for the long term. But yeah, there's, there's always like the 98 too. I, I, I oh, like yeah. totally, totally agree with that. 100%. <laughs> totally. All right, cool. So, all right, we, we pretty much covered a lot of things to think about and what to do. Um, 
and, and again, I'm, I'm kind of skimming this, this, uh, you know, kind of report you put together or this checklist really is what it is. And I'm just going to read through these really quickly. And you just tell me if there's something that we should bring up before we, before we, uh, say goodbye. Um, and we could talk a little bit about Flexport as well, but you know, you put together this, your, your team put together this really good guide. It's really knowing your products. I think that's important. Actually, you know what, on that right now, is there anything that you would say for people that are just starting to stay away from? Is there anything that might be like, you know what, yeah, don't don't go at that because that uh, that HTS code is is going to ro- throw a flag or whatever. Is there anything, or you say everything's open? No, there's 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 definitely some stuff that I would stay away from. It's kind of like the first products. Um, just because there's a little bit more to them and, uh, as a first time seller may add some complexity that, that maybe it should be better safe for later. Mm-hmm. So, um, maybe, um, anything that where, uh, you're basically like a wood product has additional things you need to do. Um, any products where basically you're claiming that there's some kind of health benefit, mm. uh, to it is regulated by the FDA. We see that a lot. Um, something to be aware of, not that you can't do it, but like, you know, children's toys have mm. certificates, uh, that, that you need as well. We provided, um, a link in this guide as well, where you can kind of search your product and, and see if it's regulated by anything, uh, to make sure. Um, but anything with just things to be aware of, like, I wouldn't say you can't proceed, but just know that there's complexities and, um, you should be speaking with a freight forwarder at least like, don't go into these products by yourself. Uh, without some help is anything that has like batteries or, Mm. you know, like lithium ion batteries or any kind of like hazardous materials or things like that. um, You want to definitely be reaching uh, out to a freight forwarder. But those are the main ones. A lot of people don't realize that if you're claiming a health benefit. So it's like, you know, a massager or something like that. um, Those have additional regulations that a lot of people um, don't foresee. And so you really need to be bringing that to the attention of your freight forwarder to make sure that there's nothing that, uh, you should really be looking out for. And would that freight forwarder, or even, you know, you guys for that matter, uh, would that be something that you would help through that process? Or would you just say, I wouldn't go there? Like, Oh, we can definitely help. So there's like, you know, as far as, you know, just to, to use it as an example, you know, the wood products is it's called the Lacey Act and there's additional forms. So a freight forwarder, um, if they're like us, is going to have an in-house customs team that is, you know, specialized in knowing like exactly what's needed. So mm-hmm. at, like all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. So what we do is take that product information, uh, give it to our in-house brokers and they go through and, and let us know if there's anything that, that we should be aware of. Okay. Okay, good. So we don't have to discard them totally. It's just like you're saying, if it was your first products, you might want to stay away from them because it's going to be a couple extra hoops you got to jump through. But right now, uh, you know, you're saying though, if you were to go through those other ones, you you guys could still help where a freight forwarder could help in that or a good one should be able to help in that. Yeah, absolutely. And if, and if they're saying no and things like that, then, then that's probably a red flag. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So knowing your products, you've got that in this guide, which I think is awesome. And you got a little link there that you guys can, you guys can use to, to kind of search your product or what you're going to be selling. Um, selecting air, um, LCL, FCL, what is LCL and FCL for people that don't know? Yeah, that's a great question. So LCL is less than a container load. Okay. Uh, and then FCL is a full container. So, uh, I would say a, a lot of people don't know this too, but, uh, basically you want to start considering a full container when you get right around 22 CBMs. Okay. 
Okay. So any, anything under that, it's going to be best to, you know, be moved as an LCL just from a cost perspective. But once you get to that 22 CBM, that first container size, which is um, a 20 foot container can hold up to 28. But once you get to 22, the prices can kind of converge around that. And you should be asking uh, your freight forwarder if it makes uh, sense to maybe consider a full container. There's things to consider, like, you know, the transit times between those two things and stuff like that. So you definitely want to be uh, in contact with your freight forwarder and having that conversation. It's kind of another reason why kind of getting these systems in place and kind of learning this stuff uh, is is really important as a seller. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Um, okay. And then moving through the list here quickly before we wrap up, creating a shipment uh, plan. Again, that's uh, that has to be done uh, on our end, really. And then we supply it to our freight forwarder, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So a couple of things on the shipment plan uh, to really know is to know that the ship from address, again, that's the ship from address, is not your supplier's address. Like it should be the warehouse address in the country that you import to. So in the United States, right? Um, that's one thing that, you know, people get really confused on. Like, what do I put as the ship from? You're basically letting Amazon know what's the last point uh, that their trucks are going to come pick it up from. So it's going to be that warehouse address in the country that you're importing to. And another thing with the uh, shipment plan I think is really important is that you can put all your SKUs in one shipment plan. So oh. there's no so there's no limit to the amount of SKUs that you can put in your shipment plan. And, and that's important for uh, a lot of reasons. You know, one, every... Say you want to, you know, have the LTL truck, like the big truck, pick up yeah. the shipment and, and take it to the warehouse. If you do multiple shipment plans, like you break it up, you're going to have to dispatch a separate truck to each uh, shipment plan. So instead of just having one truck pick everything up, you're going to have four or five and it really adds to your costs. Uh, and then two, if you're creating, you know, multiple shipment plans instead of just one, there's a chance that, you know, Amazon might split your shipment up to different warehouses across the country instead of just say one in Moreno Valley, which is the big one uh, sure. in, in that area. So putting all your SKUs in one shipment plan is a big one that people uh, miss from, from my experience. Nice. And yeah, so those are like really good things to know. Uh, also on the shipment plan, just to like really cover some of like the high level stuff uh, that I think is important is really knowing uh, the transit times and kind of the differences between, you know, SPD, which is small parcel delivery and LTL, uh, you know, a small parcel like FedEx is is really for, you know, 30 cartons or less. It's really fast, but it's more expensive. Mm -hmm. And LTL, although cheaper, it takes a lot longer time, two to three weeks. So really, uh, I don't want to just, you know, throw a bunch of numbers out there. Just know that that final trucking has differences in prices and transit times. And it's a great conversation to have with your freight forwarder as well. But those are the main things I would be looking at when, when thinking about a shipment plan. Okay. And then the other thing you cover in this uh, guide is labeling your shipment. So what do we need to know on that? Oh, yes. That's a great one. So uh, labeling your shipment, what a lot of people um, don't realize is that something you can do to really cut down on the complexity is to have your supplier label the shipment at what we call origin, which is basically where their factory is. So you can create a shipment plan uh, at any time for your shipment in Amazon. It can be, you know, two months early. There's there's no rule that you don't get dinged, uh, things like that. It's you can have that shipment. It can be in working status for as long as you want. You can go in, put in the carton information, um, you know, the dimensions and the weight and things like that and get your labels. So you'll have your 
like let's say you're using you know FedEx to to do the final trucking to their warehouse, you'll have your FBA label and the FedEx label. You can provide that to your supplier and they can put it on the cartons before it's picked up by the shipping company. And that makes it a lot less complex because what's going to happen is that's going to show up in the warehouse in the United States. You know, whoever's handling that, you know, your freight forwarder or another warehouse, they can just see, you know, oh, FedEx is picking it up a lot of times uh, or they should just have a FedEx truck coming every day. They can just hand it over to FedEx and they can take it on. And you really cut down on the transit time because if you're having the warehouse having to apply the labels, it just creates a whole nother process. Uh, and then especially if it's during, say, you know, Chinese New Year or peak season at the end of the year, those warehouses can get really congested, a lot going on. It can create a lot bigger delays than you think. So uh, having your supplier put those labels on ahead of time is is a really big key to success, in my opinion, as yeah, well. No, that's th- those are some great, great points. Uh, OK, the last one is getting through customs. And we talked a little bit about that. But what else did you want to mention on that if we haven't? if we hadn't covered it already. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I mean, there's, I get a lot of questions, you know, like what, like, you know, how often does, you know, customs exams happen and, and things like that at like a very high level, like it, it is random. There are things that maybe like they're looking at that, you know, they could do it. Uh, but there's like three types of, uh, customs exams. You know, you have your x-ray exam where they're just going to put the container through the x-ray and take a look the tailgate exam where they're actually going to take a peek inside the container right and then the intensive exam is where they're actually going to unload it and look at everything so the thing to know there is that these things can happen and they do happen uh, more often than not they don't but it's something to be you know, prepare that these things can happen. Sometimes, you know, it can add like a week or so to your shipment. But what I, my takeaway from that is really two things like one, okay, a customs exam can add some additional cost uh, to the shipment because it is the supplier or sorry, the shipper uh, that is responsible for those costs. Another reason, you know, that's exactly why you should have good margins. Yep, so when yep. things like this happen, it doesn't make or break you. And then two, transit times, you know, can fluctuate with things like this. So you also want to be trying to really look ahead at your inventory and, you know, put in what you feel comfortable with. And I'm interested, Scott, in what you use to say, I'm trying to stock up for X amount of months and and make sure that there are some delays like this. It doesn't it doesn't break the bank. Yeah, that well, that is a, a challenge for all of us. And, you know, it's like you can try to predict, but you you can't predict 100 percent. You know, I mean, sometimes right. you're going to have some sales that take off and uh, and then then they'll back off. And, you know, it could be seasonal stuff could, you know, might not be it might just because you're you know, your products are getting uh, displayed by an influencer in, in the marketplace. Who knows? Um, but what we generally do is now, especially that we, once a product has kind of been validated that it's going to sell and and, and we're, we see that we're going to be selling through, we'll generally place our order immediately from the time we receive a new one. So if we if we receive, mm. uh, you know, one today, we're putting in an, our next order. You know what I mean? So it's sure. kind of like so that way there we know that the production is going to be, let's say, 25 to 30 days. And we know that the shipping, if we're going by sea, will be 45 um, to 60 days, depending. But then also we have the option before it's in that if we wanted to split the order and send some air, we can because it hasn't been shipped yet. 
Um, we have that deci- we can make that decision until it's been actually, you know, kind of loaded and prepared for that sea shipping. Um, but that's, that's our general rule right now. Um, but it's never an easy task. I got to be honest. It's, uh, it's yeah. never easy. You try to plan the best that you can. Um, but again, you don't want to turn down sales to, uh, to try to spread out your inventory because um, you want to be able to sell as much as you can as rapidly as you can, because, you know, that's what Amazon likes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what we like yeah. as a business owner. So yeah, that, that would be, that would be my advice for anyone is like, if you know that your product is selling through and you can look at your reporting and all that stuff to help you. But we generally find that, uh, you know, we just received one. We're going to go ahead and place that next order. Cause really to place that next order for us, we're not paying the shipping yet. Right. All we're paying is a 30% right. down on, on the, on the goods. So it's really not even an outlay of money necessarily. It's it's not all that much um, compared to what it'll bring later. So that was my long-winded yep. answer on that. <laughs> no, I love that. That's yeah. that's that's really good. Yeah. And I would say too, like when when I'm hearing things like this, the the big thing for me too is you know nothing. And you say it all the time, like nothing replaces action. Mm. Like I can I can just give a great example of you know uh, basically where you know we started with a team of three and and now I'm leading the team of of forty in Atlanta. Uh, you know, getting started and doing the best that I could with the information that I had at the time. The things that I learned and the the challenges that I faced, you know, in this time period was the greatest learning lesson of all. Like there, I did my homework. I looked. I, I tried to find all the information I could. But at the end of the day, I had to start speaking with people and uh, telling people, uh, you know, about our company. And as you grow, the challenges you know, they get more complex and bigger. And that's not to scare you. It's more to say that developing that mindset in the beginning that, hey, I'm in it for the the long term. You know, like one of our values is is playing the long game. Like we're thinking down the road, like we're we're really in in this. We're going to take as long as it takes. You know, uh, we're not looking at like right now, you know, the quick, you know, shiny objects and things like that. Like we're really playing the long game and investing in this the right way. And if you have that mindset that that's how I'm approaching my business, like I want to build a business on Amazon. I want to scale it beyond that, you know, into e-commerce. I yep. really want to, you know, use this for everything in, in my life. Like you got to know challenges are coming. So developing that mindset to like, I'm going to take on challenges, find the solutions and learn as much as possible. How fast you can learn is actually the biggest determining factor of success, in my opinion. Yeah, I love uh, it. I love it. I well. mean, it's it's mindset in everything that we do. And I think, like you said, going into this thing as, as it's a long-term thing for you, the long game, I think that you're already ahead of the game if you can kind of put yourself in that mindset and also that you're going to be learning so much through, through this process. Like, think about this. Once you learn this process of importing items, it doesn't matter if Amazon went away or not. You still have that skill set that now you could still do that, whether it's for you yeah. or for another company. So you have a skill set there and you could launch a new new business if you wanted to just selling on your own e-commerce site or another platform or whatever. So you have that skill, which is something that a lot of people don't look at is you're building the skill set as you're building your business. So I love it. Um, yeah. All right. So to wrap up, let's talk a little bit about Flexport. Uh, what does Flexport do if I wanted to use them? Uh, what, what do they, what do they do for me? The, uh, you know, the person that is, uh, like just pretend I'm getting into the game for the first time. I've never, I've never done this. Um, I've done air only through my supplier and I want to use Flexport. What do I need to do in order to get started, um, using, um, you know, like what would you require and kind of what does Flexport do that makes it easy? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so Flexport, like 
we're a partner, man, uh, for all the guys and girls out there that are going from that situation, you know, where you've been working with your supplier, uh, you're considering, you know, bigger shipments and things like that. We're like first and foremost going to really empower you with information, education, uh, to really help you be successful. Our goal on our team is actually to help grow and scale, uh, you know, your business to really get to that next step where, you're basically moving on to teams that can, you know, provide a lot of consulting and, and really think of supply chain strategy and things like that. We're actually going to have um, an event, a local event in Atlanta where we have, you know, uh, an Amazon seller that went from, you know, their own storage unit making, you know, f- you know, $500 a month or something like that, like a really small storage unit to like a 16,000 foot warehouse where like they're having all their goods brought in and, and things like that, having them speak on how they're successful and, and how we've empowered them to nice. do that. So that, yeah, so that's what we are first and foremost is uh, a partner to help you learn about this crazy, I think sexy world of logistics. Uh, I know some <laughs> articles that say it's unsexy, but I disagree highly, but, uh, to help you with that. And then, uh, on top of that icing on the cake, we, we have uh, best in class, uh, software and technology to really give you the transparency to really know where your shipment is and things like that. Once you say book a shipment, uh, you can look, you can look at the schedule every single stop along the way. You have a, like a really great messaging feature to, you know, speak with your team. We have a robust help center where you can go, you just click on help. There's a bunch of great articles and help like that. So, uh, that's kind of what I call the, uh, one, two punch of, uh, Flexport. What you really need to get started. Um, I know, uh, we're listed on, uh, the amazing seller resource page. You can find us there. Uh, we, we do have a promotion there help, uh, you know, get Scott as much coffee as possible. Um, (laughs) And you can sign up there. What will happen is and, you know, you'll work with our team. We'll get you set up on an educational webinar to kind of help you learn about uh, the kind of initial first steps and things like that. I do say uh, you do need to be a registered business. So you would need to have like an LLC or an Inc. set up. Uh, it's just it's good for you. And uh, it's, it's good from a compliance perspective. Um, but other than that, that's kind of the first step, just getting signed up, attending the webinar to learn. And, um, and then from there, we'll get you on the platform. We'll get the rest of your information, like your products and things like that. And that's how it works. Yeah, cool. And I'm going to make a, a shorter, uh, URL here so you guys can, can get there quicker. It's, uh, the amazing forward slash flexport. If you go there, it'll direct you to, um, the resources and that guide and all of that stuff. Is it cool to mention the discount that you guys were saying that you guys were going to give it's on the it's on the the guide is it okay to oh to yeah that yeah 100 yeah yeah, yeah. so ahead. you guys had uh you well, you put it right in here in the guide so uh if you guys download the guide or if you just go to that link i gave you you guys are um eligible for 150 dollars off your first shipment using flexport so that's pretty that's pretty awesome um again i think you guys are doing that more or less to say hey let, let us let us do this for you let us prove to you that it's going to be really easy. And, uh, and we're going to, like you said, partner with you in a sense. So I love that. Um, I love all the information that you provided today, Michael, you're always, uh, awesome to talk to and and hang out with in person. So if you guys ever do get the chance to hang out, um, with, uh, Michael at an event or, uh, maybe even a Flexport event, who knows? Um, definitely, uh, definitely do that wealth of knowledge. And I think it's awesome that you're constantly learning as I am 
And uh, that's what it's all about, right? Like just continuing to learn through this process. So I want to thank you, Michael. Guys, if you are interested in checking out Flexport or if you want more information or even just download the guide that we just kind of covered here uh, in rapid fire, but uh, everything is laid out for you. There's some helpful links there for you as well inside the guide that'll help you determine some of those things that we discussed. One of them being your HTS code and customs and that type of stuff, packaging, uh, creating your shipment plan. Everything is kind of outlined in this guide. Uh, you can find that at theamazingseller.com forward slash Flexport. And there will also be uh, that discount there if you guys do decide to use Flexport for your shipping. So, Michael, I want to thank you once again, brother. It's been fun. I'll have you back on again because I know we can dig into a lot of different topics. And I also just want to keep my pulse on the on the freight forwarding world. So uh, I'll definitely want to get you back on and we can kind of touch base and see how things are moving along on your end as well. Appreciate that, Scott. It's been an absolute pleasure. That was a lot of fun, man. All right. So there you go. Hopefully now you feel a little bit better about this whole freight forwarding, this shipping, whether it's by air, whether it's by sea, you feel a little better. And, you know, if it feels like there was a lot there that we covered, there kind of was. And that's why he created this free guide for you guys. And again, I'll remind you of the link so you guys can go download that. And you don't even have to enter your email or nothing. It's theamazingseller.com forward slash Flexport. That'll give you immediate access to that guide. And it'll walk you through those six steps that we talked about. There will also be a link on there that if you did want to use Flexport, that you would get $150 off your first shipment. All right, so that's pretty cool. All you have to do is go through that link. Yes, that will buy me a cup of coffee, as I've talked before. Uh, and uh, actually, Michael talks about that on there. And he actually had a cup of coffee as we were doing this interview. He told me before we got on, and I did too. So we were actually having coffee together, which was pretty awesome. So anyway, that's what I want you to do right now. Download that guide because that guide will definitely give you a good overview of what it will take. Whether you want to do it on your own or not, that's fine, but it'll at least give you the step-by-step and what you need to do when going through those steps, all right? Now, the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 479 transcripts, show notes. I'll even include a link to that guide there as well. And you can also, again, go directly to theamazingseller.com forward slash flexport. All right. So guys, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action, have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode.